that to me is the is a NASCAR example of you f around, you find out. I'm not doing the intro, but for those uh, who finally tuned in or are tuning in, finally tuned in, I talked to myself for 10 minutes until we realized that Parker was in producer mode and wasn't recording. So this is The Money Lab, episode 20, take two. Yeah, great intro. Uh, welcome to The Money Lab. I'm Parker Quigman. Sorry, can't even talk right now. Welcome to Money Lab. I'm Parker Quigman, joined as always by Landon Castle. This is our podcast about all things motorsports. Of course, check out themoneylap.com to sign up for our newsletter. Go to your inbox three times a week with all the greatest things in motorsports. I'm going to rip through this really quickly because we're on take two. Uh, what's a quick synopsis of what you're going to find on this episode of the Money Lap? We dive deeper into the F1 drama, IndyCar silly season news, the NASCAR playoffs, and of course, my own playoff battle. Uh, this upcoming weekend in Kansas, where I will just later in this episode, I will discuss my approach going into that race. We'll talk about what happened at Darlington earlier than that, but stay tuned to the end to figure out how I'm going to tackle that one. On Apple uh, reviews, we had a new one, although we're up to 110 reviews. This one was pretty funny by E Boy. I don't know how to say that. He said, Oh, daddy, five stars, pretty good, mostly here for Landon's segues into ad reads, but the podcast is pretty good too. Well, um, I appreciate that, E-boy, um, O-daddy. I mean, there's a lot of good, a uh, lot of good, a lot of good content in that review. So, yeah, love these segues. Thank you. Um, you know what? Let's just do it. Rip one of these ads right off the bat with one of the largest inventories in the industry. SpoilerDieCast.com has over 800 unique products currently in stock, including diecast die and apparel offerings for NASCAR, dirt sprint cars, IndyCar, and F1. And with their pre-order system in place, you can be sure to get your hands on the latest diecast releases without the long wait, Parker. What's even better, all orders ship same or next day, and they offer free shipping on orders over $20. Plus, use the promo code MONEYLAP to receive free shipping and 5% off all orders. And if you leave an Apple review of SpoilerDieCast.com and the Money Lab podcast, we'll probably mention it on the show. That's right. <laughs> 5% off, the most aggressive offer in the racing industry. Actually, we're doing one better than that. I just got a shipment of diecast cars of that have my name on them from spoilerdiecast.com i'm going to be signing those and we're going to be doing something with you all um the money lap listeners as a thank you from spoilerdiecast.com so cool thanks for having them on the show thanks uh e boy for the review and for you know helping me out with this segue this week <laughs> love it thanks to spoilerdiecast.com for doing that it's gonna be really cool to see uh, what you guys end up doing with those diecasts and look forward to doing something similar myself. So we're going to figure that out throughout the next couple of weeks. Uh, on YouTube, we had a bunch of comments out there. ACAV704 said he loved the flexi wings in F1 because that's the ingenuity. I'm sorry, the innovation that people love to see in racing. <laughs> um, we said, thanks for being a good sport, PK. Thanks for that. Uh, this NASCAR guy, I need me some PK Landon signed diecast. Well, funny enough, you can check that out at spoilerdiecast.com. And Speedway Labs dev said, bought the coffee and used the promo code. Already feeling a little more productive. Now, what coffee would he be talking about? Coffee. Coffee? Yeah. I want to feel more productive. Well, if you do, then you can check out the coffee that's powered me to win. That is Four Sigmatic Think Coffee at foursigmatic.com. Use the code MONEYLAP for 15% off. As I've said before, this is the coffee that has allowed me to go out there and win races and even put myself in playoff contention uh, this year in the Xfinity Series. I love that coffee. It's some of my favorite. Go check it out, foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R, Sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A, tic.com you can also check the link in the uh, uh description of our episode um but go check it out use promo code money lap for 15 percent off it's the best also landon i did live up to mm. my word we went over 100 apple reviews uh pot app reviews on apple podcast and we're now at 110 and i have now signed up for cameo so if you'd like to go check it out uh i believe i'm 20 some odd dollars cheaper than you for that so just saying wow yeah, you yeah. you're undercutting me. What like? Are you serious? Oh <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. You're I undercutting me. <laughs> no, it's I go through all this trouble to get you on the platform, and you're undercutting me on price. 
<laughs> so it suggested $15 off the bat. I then was like, well, what's landing at? And I think you're like 35 because you've done enough. Like you've done, you have some reviews. I'm zero. I'm at, I'm at bare, I'm at nothing. So I think they just assume <laughs> oh, so that you're, that, yeah, you're a rookie. We got to get you in the business. Yeah, I got to get, we got to get you in first. the business. I did move the business one up a lot because if you were, if you're a business and you want my cameo, you know, it's going to cost you something. So there you go. I, there you go. It's not worth our time. Um, hey, one thing too, one more, mm -hmm. one more review that's not in our, um, in our time in our run of show um this isn't a review of the podcast but it's a review of our newsletter i got a text mm. uh yesterday from a team president of a nascar cup series organization that texted me and said hey i just want you to know that um the money lab is doing an incredible job with your newsletter and that is our they were talking about our newsletter that goes out monday wednesday and friday um uh, talking about all things motorsports we keep it light we keep it informative uh, you can read it in five minutes. It's everything you need to know about motorsports globally, not just NASCAR, but F1, IndyCar, all kinds of good stuff. Um, so, yeah, this if you want to read the newsletter that industry folks and insiders read to get their, um, you know, up-to-date information on the on the industry, um, subscribe to the Money Lab newsletter. Winning! It's the one the industry reads. We love to hear that. Thank you, ever anonymous team president. We appreciate it. That is very cool. Um, speaking of the NASCAR Cup Series, or NASCAR in general, sorry, we should jump into what happened this past weekend at Darlington. We can start with Xfinity. Um, Hamlin, Denny Hamlin, won that race. He, uh, I, you know, had not been in an Xfinity car for a while. I, though a, a person came up to me after practice, I don't think he was, I think he was in the top 10, and was like, oh, I think he might struggle. I was like, eh, he's pretty good. I think he'll win. Guess what? He did. <laughs> He's he was on it. He figured it out and qualified and went on from there to just be one of the best cars and win. Um and he's just amazing there. Uh just the guy is the king of Darlington in the Xfinity series. So pretty awesome for him to pull that off. For myself, I had about a eighth place car. It, it turns out on the post race averages, we were seventh fastest car on the, on the track. We were obviously going in there twenty one or 20 points above the cut line in the playoffs, wanted to score stage points, didn't get them in stage one, which we've just pretty much done all year. Uh, and then stage two was in position to get a haul of stage points, but had a loose wheel, which I was barely able to survive to the finish of, the, of that, trying to hold off Daniel Hemrick for the final playoff point, but wasn't able to pull it off. And then we got in the third stage after a long stop, drove from 20th again, and just about in the top 10, uh, when we got run over by Sam Mayer with six laps to go, um, which sent us to the back. So end up losing our entire point lead. We now go into Kansas one point uh, behind Riley Herbst. But, you know, and I think people want to know, okay, what happened since then, right? What happened since that moment? Well, I was, I did speak to Sam on the phone, and I think you can appreciate mm -hmm. this line. I'm going to be very open about what happened here. You know, I was frustrated with him because I feel like he's someone I've raced cleanly this year but he's young he has a lot of speed he's got a lot of resources behind him but he makes mistakes like this often this has been sort of the mark of his career in xfinity as as over the last couple of years and i said to him i just said that exact thing i said man you got you got it all all you do is cut that stuff out and you're in a really good position i said this is the type of stuff though that will hold you back from moving on to the to level you really want to get to right and you mm -hmm. know the, the last thing i said to him was i was like at the end of the day you got, you know, this is not just fun and games at this level. This is this is major organizations and efforts of, of you know, tons of people and obviously sponsors and that sort of thing that when you make a move like that with a lot of things, a lot of stuff on the line, you know, there's there's major ramifications for that. And I think that's something for young drivers to know that, you know, as you get to these levels – there's there's more than just that that lap or that car you're trying to pass or that thing you're trying to accomplish. There's a huge amount that goes behind all of that. And, you know, I, I don't want that to be any sort of like – I don't want that to be interpreted as, hey, you shouldn't race hard, that sort of thing. No, it's just reading the situations and having that situational awareness that young drivers sometimes just don't have. I'm with you, man. I oh, don't no, know, you, though. You can disagree, though. Don't worry. Please do yeah no i don't know you're it's it's uh um one thing that's really good about that advice is that 
you just never know. Uh, you just never know. You never know what's going to happen in your sport. And for someone like Sam, as young as he is, like, you know, not, and I'm not trying to, uh, give, make some context for people that didn't watch the race or something. I'm not trying to put some context out there that Sam did something, you know, intentional or egregious or outrageous or whatever. Uh, but what I am saying is like, you can get into a pissing match with another driver or wreck someone's car on purpose or payback or whatever. And you never know when the crew chief for that team is the crew chief that makes a decision on if you get a ride at another team the next two years from now or you know the car owner or the sponsor you never know who is watching you never know who cares you never know who can influence your career down the road um team members that you end up having to work with or wanting to work with you know trying to put a deal together that's why it's like you have to have a big picture mindset and that's where that's good advice um the tough part and the tough love for me on it and Parker, you've heard this from me before. We just did, we just, we haven't like had this tough love on the podcast together. But like, I don't I don't care what Sam did. You drive the forty eight car, and that's you're responsible for the forty eight car. And it doesn't matter how many fatherly lessons you can give Sam after the fact. If you miss the playoffs because of this, you're gonna you're not like it's not Sam's fault. You know what I mean? Like you, you're going to look back on that and be like, what could I have done different? Or that's how you should be looking at it. Right. Or you should be looking at your, this weekend and just being like, how can I put myself in a position, do everything I need to do and not allow Sam Mayer to run me over. I don't know. I'm not saying you allowed him to run you over, but it's just like, man, at the end of the day, there's some, so I just, I don't know if you're I, I've always I've been told before like if you're explaining you're losing, mm -hmm. and I don't I don't want to uh, go you know I don't I don't I don't want to see I don't want to see you miss the playoffs potentially and have to explain you know I've been in that position in my career where it's like I'm explaining myself or whatever and it's just like ah that's at that point you've already lost like let's just <laughs> you just got to take much responsibility for as much as you can control. Um, yep. and that's the only way to go about this stuff and about life. Now, looking back on the, 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 what, you know, I wasn't in the car. I didn't see, I just, all I only saw what I was on TV. Um, it looked like you got ran over. <laughs> I don't that, know how you, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you prevent that. I don't know. I know I'm giving you like this tough love and you know, I'm not trying to, make it sound like it's some disingenuous I'm taking the opposite side of a debate just for the sake of doing it because we're on a podcast and that's what we do on podcasts is we debate things but like man that's I just I don't know I don't I don't we don't drive Sam Mayer's car I don't care I don't care what Sam Mayer's doing I love Sam Mayer by the way Sam if you're listening I love Sam Mayer I think he's extremely talented in this in the scenario that you're in that 48 car getting that thing into the playoffs for that team Parker Kligerman my driver like I don't give a shit about Sam Mayer. Like let's <laughs> let's get well, the 48 I appreciate car. It. And I know you're not. Well, I know you're not taking the other side because I, you and I have had that discussion before many times. And I think often about you know this comment that Steve Latart made a couple years ago for the the Daytona cutoff in the Cup Series, you know, for the regular season, and all the drivers that were trying to make their way in. And he's he had an amazing comment where he was like. If you need this race to get into the playoffs, shame on you. <laughs> and I always think about yep. that because I'm like, of course. And so if you want to go to a, a broader season long look, you know, at the end of the day, we have just not scored the stage points required to be in a better position than we are. We are about a mm -hmm. hundred less stage points or so, or maybe it's 90 or 80 less than Riley Herbst. We're a hundred less than Sheldon Creed, a hundred less than Daniel Hemrick. Mm -hmm. If we have just been closer to them in stage points throughout the season, then we are an entirely different scenario right now. So right then and there, you can, you know, you can put that on me for qualifying stuff uh, for our team at times, you know, pick crew mistakes and that sort of thing that, you know, you are hard to recover from. So that, that to me is your broader view. And then in that particular race, you know, we had the seventh fastest car on average speed. We had a loose mm -hmm. wheel in stage two that that put us in position to one loose spots towards the end of that run, which people sometimes wonder why a loose wheel makes you lose spots. It's incredibly hard to drive with a car that's getting a vibration, the level of a loose wheel that as loose as we had, where 
you know, you're trying to drive, but eventually you start to lose your vision. The car feels like it's going to fall apart at any point. And it was actually so loose, I locked the rear into turn three. That's when Daniel Hemrick got by me because the thing was shifting around mm -hmm. so much. So that, that's just difficult. But, you know, we had to have a long pit stop. That put us further back. That put us back basically to 20th, and we had to drive through. So if, if we don't have that, then we find ourselves maybe in the top 10, never near Sam Mayer, right? So, like, you add those things up, and it's not – of course, there's restart stuff. You know, maybe a restart, I, I get a better restart here or there or whatever, right? But I think the point being, um, at the end of the day, you, you can look at all those things you can change, but you put it best. The reason I was angry and the reason I bring up the conversation was that when you watch that, we just got flat run over, and that's just frustrating. <laughs> it is frustrating stuff, and it is fair to be angry in those things. And like you said, broader scale, you know – what Steve is saying is absolutely right. Um, it can be a little bit demoralizing if you're, because um, I've been in that position where it's just like, well, 25 weeks, then you can just start adding up all the things. It is demoralizing. You can then you can zero into all the other little things in the race, and you're right about that. It's like, hey, there's 10 other things I could have done in that specific race to not be in front of Sam Mayer and get run over. And then, and then you know, I think you could even replay that lap in your head and go, what am I going to do the next time I look in the mirror going down the back stretch and that blue number one is behind me? How can I protect myself from getting run over mm -hmm. knowing that the guy may completely overshoot the entry? Um, how else can I fix that? You know, and that's really the way to do it. That, that's where it's like my mindset in my older years of racing, even though I'm the ripe old age of 34, I've made a lot of starts in NASCAR and my, in my older years of racing, I just, I didn't get into those spats with another driver because I'm just like, I don't know, to hell with that guy. I, I got <laughs> I got my own stuff to worry about. And yeah, maybe he did wreck me. And I might show, I might voice my displeasure or whatever, but like I wasn't actually the type of guy I, I I'm not the type of guy to take phone calls on Monday. I don't I don't talk to drivers on Mondays on the phone very often. Um I don't need to Tell help him. someone else digest. <laughs> all that Tell stuff. him F off. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's oh, move on. What's next? Well, I want to talk. We'll talk how to approach this upcoming Kansas race. Uh, as I talked about earlier, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, in this episode, we'll get into that but later. Let's drive. Let's talk Cup Series. Let's talk about uh, Cup at Darlington a little bit. Yeah. So the Southern Five Hundred, one of the most grueling races in all of the NASCAR Cup Series, all of NASCAR, historically one of the lo the longest races of the season, even longer than the Coca Cola Six Hundred in terms of time. Usually hot. Uh, and it's a wore out slick racetrack. It's always a great show. I think for what you, you know, for looking at the idea of, of looking for, you know, man and machine versus racetrack versus each other. Right. And that's what the Southern 500 is all about. Mm -hmm. And I thought this past race, mm -hmm. Kyle Larson winning though, was that because you had multiple leaders, you had cars that were good at certain points of the race and it all came down to a, a just heavyweight battle between Tyler Reddick and Kyle Larson who were you know some of the are some of the best at that place in terms of using alternate lines in turn one getting near the wall in yeah. turns three and four they're so good at it and they went mano a mano and then you had you know the two others behind them that were so close towards the end and I thought this is what a cool way to end a 500 mile or one of the most yeah. grueling races just an awesome battle it it's a classic stock car race I love Darlington Looking at the broader playoff, you know, perspective of what we saw with Larson winning, I feel like Larson has been kind of solid but quiet in the last couple months. Yeah, and Larson winning just to me is a message that's just like mm, Kyle Larson is still Kyle Larson. He's still <laughs> he's there, you know. And it's just like I'm not trying to say the cards have been off. I'm not trying to say the team has been off. You know. Like, I, I just think that Kyle is a driver that is susceptible of people judging his mental focus, right? Like, is he is he in it? Is he not in it? He, you know, I, I think that that people, he's susceptible to that. But him winning at Darlington, the Southern 500, the start of the playoffs, just to me is just like, nope, you better not count him out. Yep. I think it was a strong showing by Tyler Reddick. Uh, you know, to kick off the playoffs in that fashion for a team that had Definitely. really tough times executing. They did a good job. Although there was that odd pit road incident, you know, that, so I want to 
for well, actually, let's before we go there, I want to talk uh, Suarez and Bowman. I don't know the the incident between those two in terms of blocking, right? Yeah. So Bowman throws a hellacious block on Suarez to the bottom, then tries to run it back up. Of course, the two get together, smash in the wall. Look, I feel like blocking is like the is the definition of f around and find out. <laughs> you gonna throw a block? You gonna find out? <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Oh, did you? Oh, you want to say that? <laughs> that that was literally okay. So we have in our in our rundown here, Suarez and Bowman. What happened here in your eyes? And I didn't know who was gonna throw opinions first, but I literally was. My my as a as we're talking, I'm reading through this thing, and I'm like, and I actually thought of this when I saw it happen. I'm just like, hey, you know, Bowman can be mad all he wants, but that to me is the is a NASCAR example of you f around, you find out. And Bowman in this instance, <laughs> uh, he found out. Like <laughs> it's it's that's racing, that's stock car auto racing. It's good show, you know, good hard racing, whatever you want to call it. That's it definitely was, but. Bowman put himself at tremendous risk by making this incredible move down the straightaway, you know, putting tons of lateral load on the car down the straightaway, which is already dangerous to begin with, let alone with someone bumping you at the same time, you know, switching sides of the bumper that he's getting hit from left side down, down to right side. Then he's going back up the racetrack. Like I, you know, and then he, he gets wrecked and then he wants to get out and call Daniel Suarez an idiot. <laughs> And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, which I love both of those guys. They're both incredible yeah. drivers. I've trained with both of them. Um, I feel like they're, you know, uh, maybe a little bit better friends than, than it looked like last night. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't think that I, I feel like a, a level-headed person um, would get out of the car after that incident and be like, well, I kind of – Kind of might have brought that upon myself. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, just the best summary possible for it. So I, uh, I, I didn't know. I can't believe we both <laughs> thought that same thing. I'm, I'm sorry for stealing it, but well, it's amazing. You know what? And we, just so people well, believe that, us, that, that just we did. How, that just shows you how right we. That just shows you how yeah. right we are about it. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that we did not even discuss this even via text form beforehand, <laughs> and yet came up with that. That just shows you. So. <laughs> Back to the Reddick thing. So I want to talk about Reddick. He's leading the race. Harvick is trying to run him down. Kevin Harvick brought some serious speed, better than we've seen out of that four car in weeks, maybe months, and looked really poised to contend for the victory. They have the, the decision that's always the big decision is when you pit at Darlington, do you try to you know undercut your competitors by getting that onto pit road one lap earlier, getting fresher tires, ripping a faster lap, that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a game of chicken a little bit at times when you look at the strategy of this race and how it comes down the end. The four car dives off the pit. Tyler Reddick sees it, tries to react in turns three and four very late from the top side, hits the brakes, downshifts, gets hit by Ryan Newman, who spins out, causes the caution. Harvick doesn't get to the line before the caution comes out, which closes pit road. They don't realize that he's gotten on pit road post the caution coming out and post pit road being closed. So he pits that sends him to the back. They end up going from having a shot to win the race to not, um, really interesting set of circumstances there to unpack. I think for the four car, <laughs> you know, that is one of the toughest scenarios in all of NASCAR. We've seen it, the road courses for years. We've seen it a lot of places where you're trying to judge a light coming on and where your car was in relation to that light and the line. And there's just, you know, unless there's not a great amount of information that's given to the team and they have to make those decisions in split seconds. And unfortunately they just, they didn't have the, the information quick enough to tell him to just roll through pit road. Yeah, that's an incredible deal. I, I saw, you know, I think Bob Pockris was tweeting a little bit about, uh, potentially, you know, does NASCAR need to rethink this or, you know, I, I didn't go too deep into it. So maybe I should be careful so I don't misquote anything, but 
but in terms of the situation itself, I I don't know. I just that's just a crazy. That's just maybe it's just part of one of the reasons why Darlington is so awesome. Yep. And why NASCAR <laughs> racing is so awesome, and why green flag pit stops and strategy is so incredible. How important it is that gamesmanship that was going on. Not that Tyler Reddick in, intentionally brought out the yellow or anything like that. I mean, he obviously put himself at tremendous risk. He sh- he really should have gotten wrecked, not just bumped. Yeah. Um, for with what he did. Um, and and to be quite honest with you, I don't think I think the caution coming out not only helped him tremendously, but that was the only possible good outcome for him because I don't think he would have made pit road anyways. Um, without how tight. late he was. It is so slick. It's unbelievably slick um, on that part of the track. And if you're still on the banking trying to slow down, by the time you get to that yellow box up there, it's too late. You can't make it back. Um, you can't make the commitment line. So I, I, it's possible that he was even too – I'd have to really go back and look at it. I, it's possible that he was even too far around to make it anyways, that his only saving grace was getting packed by Ryan Newman um, and and bringing out the yellow. So – Super unfortunate for Harvick. Incredibly just witty on Reddick to be that aware of what's going on. I don't know if his team, him and his team were in communication over it, but like you're right. If 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 he would have just let Harvick pit, and then he pit the next time by, Harvick would have gained a two second advantage on him. Yeah, leapfrogged him for position. And even though Reddick would have had one lap fresher tires, it would have been difficult for Reddick to chase him back down and earn that spot back. So. Um, just incredible racing going on and that's why darlington is awesome it is some of the news post darlington uh denny hamlin announced finally he has re-signed with joe gibbs racing obviously uh securing his and 2311's future with toyota as well so the 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 rumors can go away for those not in the garage there was i heard every rumor possible um but i was going to be shocked if it didn't go this way and it did, and it was a multi-year agreement. So Denny Hamlin will continue to race for Joe Gibbs Racing, and 2311 will continue to be a Toyota team. And that's what I assumed would happen, and it's what happened. Yeah. So, good. And it yeah. is pretty cool. I mean, I think that we we touched on it last week a little bit, um, just about, you know, that's before when we really didn't know what was going on. It hadn't been announced yet. But that will be an interesting partnership and relationship to, to watch unfold because you have Denny just kind of obviously showing that he's going to transition from being a race car driver to an owner. And what, what would give you that impression through all that? Well, yeah, that he owns a team, (laughs) but it's just like, you know, how many more contracts does he have left? Is this last, his last one before he retires? Yeah. If it's not, you know, what does, is there a major change that happens? Does he change manufacturers with 2311 partner with someone else? Or is he end up acquiring JGR someday? Like there's, it's just so interesting what, that when you can see his, the, the path that he's going in public, right? We can all see it because he owns 2311 with Michael Jordan. And we can, you know, obviously we could, we could see his vision for what his life beyond driving is. Um, it's, it, we're going to, as fans, and industry members, I think we're kind of seeing it's an opportunity to see something unfold in real time um, as opposed to things, you know, surprising us and coming out of nowhere. So um, I got a question just, on that. The, the Denny Hamlin, his 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 art, his story arc over the next decade will, will be interesting. I got a So my question on that, the 11 number, mm-hmm. when he's done driving, does he take the 11 or acquire the 11 number to bring to 2311? Think about that. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's a JGR asset. So, <laughs> you know, Denny's. But no one's made it more. Denny's no got to really, figure out. No one's driven it but him. You know, like if you think about that number with them, you had Leffler who drove it for a hot minute. Then Denny gets the opportunity in it. Was it Leffler and it was uh, maybe Yaley tried it? I can't remember. Yeah, I would say, I mean, honestly, I. I don't but, know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put too much thought into that. Like because, you know, you look in history. Those it's a team that owns the the license of that brand. And I yeah. mean, even Dale Jr. couldn't take the number eight with him. Um. From from DEI. Well, there might have been more. I feel like those teams are going to hang on. 
There might have been there, more I, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. to it, but you don't know yeah. when it comes time to Denny Hamlin retiring and wanting to take numbers, you don't know what complexities there's going to be yeah. at that time period. So obviously the Dale Jr. scenario was pretty complex and, um, you know, maybe gone deeper than just pure business stuff. But like at the end of the day, these race teams, JGR, I mean, they spent decades building this brand and um, everything that makes it valuable. So I don't, I don't, who knows what it would take for Joe Gibbs to just let that go. Uh, but like I said, we're we're gonna get it. The, my whole point was like we're gonna watch this unfold in real time, and you're gonna see the moves that Denny makes year over year. You know, maybe they acquire another charter, or maybe they start an Xfinity team, or maybe they, you know, who knows what they're gonna do. And um, but we're gonna get to watch it unfold real time in real time as he's still driving, and then maybe cutting back from driving or retiring from full time, or you know, does he go another ten years? Who knows? <laughs> it will be interesting to watch. Um, I think. It is you. You you on do bring up a, that he's on top of his game right now. Yeah, well, as a driver, <laughs> I want that was the one like, thing. Let's I was, not forget. That. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's amazing. I mean, just dominates the XP race. He he, um, you know, he's racing for a championship. Yeah, he's gonna race. He'll continue to race as I like to say. It's his year every year till it isn't. I know this didn't work out how he'd hoped this weekend, but I mean, the guy is he's top five in the game, no doubt. So, um. Real quick, just off of the last thing from the Cup Series race, uh, shout out to Carson Hosevar, who I've been uh, slightly tough on at times for our own on-track issues together. Um, really solid Incredible performance. Drive. Yeah, really, really great drive in the Legacy Motor Club car for the 42. His second uh, race with them, similar to his first outing when he was in the Spire number 7 car at Gateway, ends up finishing 17th. That's just impressive. Your first Southern 500 uh, shout out in terms of being able to hop in that car and do that. That that was really well done. That was awesome. Let's move on to F1. Let's do it. Tons of stuff going on there. Uh, if you watched the race or if you didn't watch the race, once again, you probably already know who won. That is Max Verstappen. <laughs> it was uh, a hard-fought first 10 laps. Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari was able to le- you know get out to – in the lead uh, from the pole position, but then uh, very early on, Max Verstappen noticed and came across the radio and said he's sliding a lot because the whole deal there is you're trying to manage your tires and not get them overly heated, overheated uh, with the low downforce settings. And sure enough, the Ferrari was just not as nice to his tires as, as the Red Bull. So eventually Max Verstappen struck. He took the lead, never looked back. He then won has now won 10 races in a row, a new record in the Formula One World Championship. Here's the crazy part. Apparently, he Hmm. even had a late race engine issue and was losing two seconds a lap for four laps. Didn't matter. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The boy doesn't need engine. He doesn't need power. He needs nothing. If you give him the lead, it's his. Just another wild situation in terms of their dominance. um... How does that affect them, though? Don't they have power plant rules and things like that? Is that or is there something kind of coming? Like, have we not seen the end of that engine well, issue then, potentially? That, well, it's a great point. I don't know the particulars of where they're at with that power unit and such and what the issue was. So we'll have to see. I'm sure more information will come out as we get closer to the next race. Uh, and they dissect that. But it is a really good point because you do have to run these multiple races. And having to change something can result in many grid place penalties. So... We'll see where that lines up. I also believe, you know, currently yep. right now with his form, they could put basically a hamster wheel in the back and then, you know, probably find himself still leading. <laughs> so, okay, I wanna, I'm want i going to kind of blend our next two topics here. Okay, um, go. Because I – so I, I want to blend our next two topics with just one posing question to kick them off. Um, if, if Alex Pelot – does not get to drive a McLaren, even though a McLaren seat opens up because Lando Norris goes to Red Bull. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> wow. I didn't know you... <laughs> well, Did I just, like, just put a whole bunch of rumors all into one bucket <laughs> so that we can kick this off? Like, that was the that was my statement that I want to start off with, and then we can you can uh, officially you kick it off to... with another Helmut Marco quote because <laughs> the guy doesn't shut up. <laughs> so um, here, let me, let me about... condense... Yeah, let me condense everything you just put, you know, sort of, or 
well, you have just condensed everything. I'm going to separate it a little bit. So first and foremost, <laughs> just one bit of news. The FIA announced that all teams met the 2022 cost cap. Cool. It's glad to hear it. Real fun. Wait. Uh, <laughs> okay, keep but, going. No, but to connect your actual stuff. So there is some discussion that apparently Nico Rosberg has teased a Lando Norris move to Red Bull, replacing Sergio Perez, who has continued to struggle. Sergio Perez saying, if my place for 2024 is not here, I'll have to look for other alternatives. So that's basically a given. Your favorite Helmut Marco was quoted as saying, Perez is not consistent. Norris is a candidate. Once again, he loves to be in the uh, tabloids, <laughs> which, leads, which leads to our IndyCar portion of this, which you mentioned Alex Pillow. The now two-time IndyCar champion is Alex Pillow, who clinched the championship at Portland. But earlier this year, just about a month ago, we saw him break his contract with McLaren because there was no real chance of him going to F1. Now, what you're saying is basically if Lando Norris does end up leaving because maybe there is some sort of performance uh, deal or Red Bull is able to buy him out of his McLaren contract, whatever it is, they feel like they want to spend the money to get him. That maybe opens up the scenario where Alex Plo would have had that chance to go to F1. But he broke that contract by not committing to it and going to their team in IndyCar and wanting to stay of Ganassi and has now won two IndyCar championships in three seasons. This is, you know, I don't think we're going to see him go. I don't think so. I don't think it's, but this was the possibility that maybe he didn't anticipate. There's some wild stuff. Uh, it, it is interesting. I mean, obviously it's all rumors right now, and I guess we were even maybe a little bit farther separated from that paddock than we are the NASCAR garage. So we're, hate to be buying into too much tabloidy stuff, but um, that's just interesting scenarios that'll watch. I, you know, Alex winning in Portland, even though as dominant as he was, I just have not thought that he was going to continue that kind of dominance since with all this drama going on. But it's pretty impressive to get the win. Obviously, clinch the championship a week early. Um, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it, who knows? It's uh, here's the thing that's cool to me, and I'm going to take this to a totally different direction than people maybe real are thinking about. Yeah, we can we can dissect rumors. We can talk about who's the best candidate for that second Red Bull seat, um, and you know, throughout what their decisions should be, and what's the you know what's the ramifications of certain decisions made, and what's the financial side of those ramifications. We can also look at Alex Pillow and say, hey, this guy has clearly risen to becoming the top in IndyCar really quickly. That should almost be a, like it was in the '90s. And it was in the early 2000s, that was like a guarantee you were going to go get an F1 chance, right? But that didn't open up because the current situation and the way the F1 is designed, the super license system, we've seen drivers like obviously Colton Herta not have the opportunity for Alex Pillow. He's fine on the super license side, but there's still the, you know, the incentivization right now for the, the feeder system to F1 to be used more so than maybe outside talent like Alex Pillow. So I, I think that's all interesting. But the, the part to me that's really cool is it still shows how connected motorsports series are, right? Like mm -hmm. IndyCar, contract in IndyCar and F1 between this driver and all those teams and the scenarios find themselves in this weird, you know, like forced relationship but because it's – the va you know the value of their talent of driving race cars at a high level is, is highly valuable, and I, I just think that's a cool thing. And I mm -hmm. think it's cool to see some of the drivers who are the reserve drivers in F one go to do IndyCar and vice versa. And I just like to see that connection. And I know IndyCar fans sometimes get um, upset when a driver's like, "Hey, I want to leave here and I'm going to want to go to F one." But I think it's also cool that the other it happens the other way, and I, I think that should be. Mm -hmm should be celebrated that the two are that connected uh amongst their talent level because yep. that gives that creates the respect if alex Pillow were to go over there and do really well in f1 like juan montoya did or jack villeneuve you know that um that to me makes that bond stronger you know christian nomada he went over oh, there for from sure. over here you know that's the thing I mean, that makes that come together what what better way hopefully i don't piss off indycar people by saying this uh, what better way for IndyCar to shake off the little brother complex 
that they have when it comes to global <laughs> motorsport, right? This, <laughs> whether it's our friends in the in the industry, I had Connor Daly's one of them that just I always tease him, and he's self aware of it of the little brother con- complex from NASCAR, you know, IndyCar, always feeling like they get overlooked and underappreciated. I I get it. I see it. I understand. That. I think that an uh, IndyCar is is one of the most underrated racing series in terms of talent and competitiveness and just awareness. So, uh, what better way for them to overcome that than than to take their champion and hand them over to F1 and and watch them succeed? Which I think Alex Plo would do a hundred percent. It would be cool. I think it's there's a long history of it, and when it goes well, it can be a really powerful force. I also think the other side though the the reserve drivers. The younger drivers coming out that yeah. are starting to run into financial issues, trying to fund an F two ride and get an offered paid ride to come over to IndyCar, right? Like that's the sort of decisions that I like to see because I'm like, okay, that is a driver whose talent level is valued so highly over here, is valued over there because they become a reserve driver or something, but they also want to race, so they they take that opportunity over here. So I, I think it's it's all interesting there. Uh, speaking of F one and IndyCar connections, Andretti Autosport officially announces a name change and a rebrand to Andretti Global as they continue their quest to dominate the entirety of global motorsports from F1 to IndyCar. The F1 one hasn't happened yet, but they want it to. IndyCar, Rally, Formula E. We've heard about them wanting to go to NASCAR. They want it all, and they're now letting it be known in the name alone, Andretti Global. Did Did they change the name? Just so they could resubmit an F one uh, application <laughs> no. to be like, let's try it this way twice. We'll try it twice. <laughs> Two of them. See if it happens. We'll see if it works. Uh, but no, I think I actually just to dive in this for a second. What Michael Andretti has done there, you know, from this being the Andretti Green uh, team in cart to becoming this just absolute powerhouse across every form of motorsport that's cool i don't know if i saw that happening you know 10 years ago i don't know if i saw this i saw this you know going this path i know he had done the global rallycross stuff and such but you know they they're part of the indycar feeder system and i think i said it a couple weeks ago but i'm gonna say it again i was watching the indy next race um which is basically indy lights it's the new name for indy lights and you know, I saw Michael Andretti and Brian Herta watching their, you know, five cars in the pit lane as if it was the Indy 500. <laughs> like, I was like, that, those are lifers. They are into this from the, it doesn't matter the level. He's, you know, they're, they, they really care about motorsport. And so it's, it, you know, I, I like this. What's incredible, what's incredible too about it. And, and I mean, I don't know their whole entire details of their story you could really it'd be fun to really got dive in and unpack it all but like i in a way i want to say they did it the hard way too because yeah i mean they have the andretti name and what a better name in any global motorsport to have petty andretti i mean that's about as good as it gets right yep um foit but they didn't have you know the the backing of a dealer group of a thousand car dealerships or or some huge you know business enterprise of their own necessarily underwriting the thing not not to say they didn't have investors or underwriters along the way that they generated and put together but um you know their the andretti name is racing that's it yep Yep. and so uh for them to to build up what they've built over decades just purely off the racing business is incredible i mean it's one of the reasons i respect what Childress has built, right? <laughs> Richard Childress is like, he's built it all off of racing. It's the racing business. That's the, yep. Richard Childress <laughs> Racing is a racing business. There's, <laughs> there's no car business. There's nothing else like underwriting the thing. It is the racing business. It's very impressive. The pe- yeah, people who have done that, I always have a huge amount of respect. If you, if you make your sure. you know, wealth in racing, that is an impressive thing, to, you know, to life to carve out and income stream to carve out because it's really hard to do. We should give a shout out through this Andretti Global name change to Dan Towers, who's the CEO and president of the financial services company Group 1001, which is also GameBridge, who's throughout all racing. He's a part of that Andretti Global group as a co-owner. So pretty cool. Uh, just quick announcement. Simon Pagino is leaving Meyer Shank Racing 
who's struggled with the concussion symptoms since his wreck at Mid-Ohio. So we're wishing him the best to get back in IndyCar. Felix Rosenquist will be replacing him over there. Our favorite, Formula E, announced that they will be sticking to their existing plans to not have a slick tire until at least 2030. Thank you, Formula E. Great decision that some of the best part of your racing (laughs) is the fact that you're on those wonky road tires, whatever they are, really cool. (laughs) No Uh, grip. No grip. I love it. And then we're going to – I know this has been a shorter episode, but we're going to close it out here with, as I promised, uh, talking about Kansas this upcoming weekend for myself. So obviously I'm entering the regular season finale for the Xfinity Series, one point behind outside the playoffs behind Riley Herbst. Uh, and what you know, I think a lot of people will know is how am I approaching this? Well, two, a couple things. First and foremost, mindset, very similar to what I talked about when I approached Daytona. I look at events like this where you you have to enter thinking about winning, right? You have to think about I'm going to win both stages, I'm going to win the race. From there, you know, approaching the the mindset of that's how the performance level I want to bring. That's the level of effort we're going to bring and the focus we're going to bring and the, the idea of locking in to have the best performance. Now, if you have the speed to do that or not, that's not the point. The point is to bring that level of intensity and focus and locked in mental attitude to approach the weekend. Uh, in terms of more particulars, you know, I think practice will be having our plans this week as to how we're going to approach that. Qualifying will be massively important in terms of being able to get those early stage one stage points. Uh, stage two obviously be important as well. And then it's about setting yourself up for the best track position possible to finish out the third stage. If you look at this past weekend, we were second in practice, 13th in qualifying, and had the 98 beat on both of those. They were ninth on average speed at Darlington. We were seventh, so we had them beat there. Um, I love Kansas. I think it's one of my favorite racetracks in all of NASCAR. I view, you know, the the I love the idea that you can qualify in the bottom, run a couple laps in the middle, and then you find yourself on the wall and everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy that a lot. This place has been very kind to me. So my thought process as to how we'll approach the weekend is to use those in practice, which you'll see us most likely do our normal 10 lap run or something like that. Using those different lanes. Don't be alarmed if, if it looks a little wonky because I'm trying things out. Uh, and then hopefully we can qualify in the top 10 and find ourselves getting those early stage points. If we do that, I think it really puts the pressure on our competitors there. And, and you know, that, that first stage will be really important. What do you think? I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think you're going to do great. Uh, I love Kansas as well. I, it's, I've come around to it. I didn't like the repave. I thought it was a really good track before the repave. Um, I still think it was a great track before the repave, so I'm not even trying to say it's better now. Um, but I think that the, the track is getting better and it's very good, fun to race. Um, I would say two things, you know, the, um, the long run Darlington type tire saving stuff, finding searching is definitely real there. Um, and I was really good last year at Kansas on that long run speed, but where I missed at Kansas, um, is something that you're really good at, um, which is just restarting. Um, and I mean, we could talk about it more offline here and dive more into it strategically, but I would definitely implore you, especially when it comes to searching for stage points, late race stuff, um, just bully the middle, get to the middle. <laughs> there's there's so much that happens at Kansas between the start-finish line. I'm talking about on restarts. Between yep. the restart zone and turn one, and the cars get up to speed so quickly that side draft and, like, you know, um, pushing and all that stuff happens. A lot of that really happens on those restarts because it's so wide and you do get going really fast. Um, There's just a lot of productivity on restarts to be made um, between the start-finish line and turn one. And to me, going back to my last year, missing the playoffs or making the playoffs, you know, I had my issues, Bristol, da-da-da-da-da, but there was – final restarts at Kansas before our race got um, shortened that I just lost positions on a restart for no reason because I wasn't filling holes, bullying the middle. Um, And for some reason, I think Kansas is a track, even though there's this long run mentality, save your tires, it's still a track that rewards obscene aggression on restarts. Um, It's a, 
is risky because there's wrecks there. That Kansas can be a attrition racetrack, but just drivers that have an obscene amount of aggression on restarts, particularly from the start finish line to turn one, do really well at Kansas. And just to point out quickly about why that is, if you look at the shape of it, it's one of the few tracks where once we get past the start finish line, you have the apron available to the cars behind you on the bottom lane. And so what you see often, and Austin Hill did this to really great effect in some of those restarts last year, was he was the third or fourth car in, lane, in line on the bottom. He would shortcut to the apron, force that, that car ahead of him into the middle. That would give them no side force on the outside as the outside car is squeezing them. They can't turn into the corner, and they'd be stuck. He'd take the position, move on. Well, the, what does that equal? As the aggression level goes up, that equals drivers trying to block that from happening, and that also equals drivers who get spooked, don't know, know it's happening, end up moving up, and that's when you see some of the wrecks. So you know, you pointed out the, the restarts are incredibly important. There's a long length of time from the restart zone to turn one, but you also have that ability to shortcut, which is unique to this place, and it just causes a funnel effect into turn one and an opening that's yes. so inviting to go down there, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> But it doesn't always end the way you want it. So you that's where the aggression yep. you gotta be on the offense if you don't want to be on the defense, right? Yep. Well, good luck, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> that's it for the Mighty Lap podcast this week. As always, check out the mightylap.com, sign up for our newsletter. We appreciate you listening. This was take two, of course. See you next week. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to The Money Lap. Please subscribe and review us on your platform of choice. And be sure to join our newsletter for the best five minutes in motorsports delivered directly to your email inbox every Tuesday and Thursday. And you know what? We love bringing you all this content for free. So what do we ask for? Simply for you to subscribe and to let us know every single thing we are doing wrong. If you want to leave us those sorts of opinions, Please go over to YouTube, subscribe there, and leave us comments in the comment sections below the videos. We might just respond. We might put you on the next podcast. Most of all, we just love the feedback, even when it's really mean. Thank you for listening.